0: Good morning, welcome to the show. Thursday, the 21st of October. It has been hammering down all night here in TW11. 25 millimeters plus of rain across the south of England. It could throw one or two meetings this weekend into some doubt, but there's lots of good stuff to enjoy particularly at Doncaster with the Vert Futurity the final two-year-old group one of the season in the UK and the very exciting Aidan O'Brien trained unbeaten Luxembourg will be taking on the form horse Royal Patronage just how strong is that form and what sort of form is the horse in I'll be talking to assistant trainer Charlie Johnston later in the program it is also the return of Cheltenham much to the delight of so many of you Lee Mottishead my guest and I will be talking in a moment about what we're likely to enjoy there and discussing the rather small fields for tomorrow's cards, which have been explained by the existing clerk of the course, Simon Clace. The prize money issue that we've been talking about over the last two days, should or shouldn't the horsemen have taken the deal offered by the arena racing company, the ARC Group of racecourses? as well, Politicians have weighed in on this debate as we suspected they might more of that later in the show. Palace Pier as we expected after his runner-up spot in the Queen Elizabeth II stakes has been retired to stand at Dalham Hall Stud in Newmarket for Darley next year. But first of all interesting news coming in overnight from Australia where one of the marquee races down under the Cox Plate is set to be run this weekend. And a horse that is likely not to run because of veterinary intervention. Something we've discussed quite a bit on here over the last year. The increased veterinary scrutiny on these horses as they come up to big races in Australia. Lee had a very keen follower of the sport in Australia, is with me this morning. The senior writer from the Racing Post. Uh, Lee, what's been happening here concerning the horse Gold Trip?
1: Yeah, so we've we said an awful lot, Nick, about the increased interest uh, from Racing Victoria. Uh, into the the imported horses coming to compete at the spring carnival and one of those horses uh, has his pre- uh, participation in Saturday's Cox Plate now threatened now we, we should say that I think in this instance it's not a case of a an imported horse being signaled out Racing Victoria vets um, do take a very close look at horses before they run indeed in, in a lot of jurisdictions I think Racing Authority veterinarians would appear to have more say in which horses run and which horses don't run than maybe we're used to in this part of the world. And it's happened in Australia in the past. I remember being out there when Hugh Morrison was denied the chance to run Marmelo in the Melbourne Cup. And that didn't go down particularly well um, with Hugh because of a veterinary intervention. On this occasion, it's a horse who'd be well known to, to European listeners, Gold Trip, who of course ran a big race in last season's Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, has had three runs in France, already this season but was due to or is due to have his first run on saturday for last year's cox plate winning team Kiramar and david eustace but it was reported overnight by damien ratcliffe um in the age that um that the horse Gold trip had failed a, a veterinary test on thursday uh, damien reports that racing victoria's head veterinarian grace forbes Um, had said the horse had displayed lameness in his off fore and off hind leg. Uh, He'll have another trot up on Friday morning, Damien says, but connections aren't overly confident that there will be a significant turnaround between now and then. The jockey, Damien Oliver, who is just about Australia's biggest and most successful jockey, as we all know, he says that he's ridden plenty of internationals in the past. Some of them, he's actually raised concern about himself after riding them, but that wasn't the case with this horse. Uh, He says, I haven't um, felt comfortable on all the internationals before, actually volunteered at this horse and actually volunteered that this horse isn't right. but he said this horse, Gold Trip, felt fine to me last week when I galloped him. Hopefully, he does take his place because he's obviously a really good horse. So, so Damien would like to be riding Gold Trip in the uh, in the Cox Plate, but it doesn't look at the minute as though he will be. That isn't the only horse that has failed a veterinary test. Call Sign Mav, uh, a Kiwi horse, Australia, a New Zealand horse, has also um, failed a veterinary test this morning. He displayed lameness in his left front leg um and again so that that one looks like he could come out of the race which would reduce the field to eight runners
0: well it is indeed very striking to hear damien oliver's comments this morning given his great experience when talking to racing.com uh, the trainer the co-trainer of gold trip is david eustace who joins me now uh, david were you surprised when the vets asked you to take him out of the cox plate
2: uh yeah we were um okay He's not officially out uh, just yet. We've still got uh, a bit of time, but um, you know we certainly feel that um, the horse is in uh, excellent shape to to line up. Um, You know, to be honest, uh, Ollie's a piece. uh, His his experience and um, him saying the horse is fine is is only uh, uh, an opinion, but of course one that's well respected. he galloped the horse on Saturday Um, he hasn't done a lot since then Um, certainly not uh, anything that would uh, affect the horse's action and you know he's had very consistent work and and we haven't had to stop in any way or do anything uh, different than we would do leading into the race so um, it's disappointing for, for everyone involved and you know I feel that having had a horse. Uh, I mean, it. It, it, I don't, it probably doesn't matter whatever horse it is. But you know, Sir Dragon A went through the same process last time. Uh, it that worked. Um, it doesn't work for every horse, but um, we're very pleased with him. We think he's in top shape, and um, it's obviously extremely frustrating.
0: I mean, is there a bit of you that's thinking, "Well, this is him. Uh, where do we go from here? If he can't run in this, and this is just the way he moves, and this is just the way he is." Uh, are you left scratching your head?
2: Well, absolutely, and and really, we that 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 is exactly it. You know, where do we go from here? Um, there's obviously different jurisdictions in Australia, and, and New South Wales is would be the one um, to turn to. But we feel that that is the horse. Uh, he's passed all the scans, which are extremely rigorous, and the scans are there to which we're all. Trying to do, but it takes it, you know, without any reasonable doubt, uh, away from the fact that the horse is not in any danger whatsoever of of um, injuring on the track in in a race uh, or at home. And you know, let's not forget, you know, we're we're racehorse trainers. Uh, We've got a very very valuable horse here that we want to race, and we wouldn't do that unless we thought he was in the right shape to do it. I think. Um there's gotta be some trust involved there. Um and we're not dealing with a horse um who is moving particularly badly and I think that's right in what you say, that is him. And um if that is him then uh I'm not sure uh we can you know, we're gonna and gonna be able to move forward if if that's the case.
0: I know you're tied for time just a couple of things first of all just from your point of view training in australia hugely successfully multiple grade one wins group one wins uh, what is the disparity between the processes you have to go for a race like this and the processes you would have to go through for a other group one or grade one uh yeah look
2: it's very different um there are certain races that require trot ups uh, pre-race there are very few and every other race um, there isn't a tool um, because, you know, you have a license and um, the trust is there that the horse uh, will line up in, in good shape. So it's extremely strict now. Um, he's gone through scans uh, in England uh, and now here, which he's passed all of. Um, so to race in the majors in the spring carnival now is very difficult. Um, so... You know, there, there's, of course, I'm not saying that they sh- this should be required for every race, but there's, you know, a certain lack of consistency there. But um, it's it's harder uh, to to jump all the hurdles to get into a race like this than it is even other group ones in Australia.
0: Um, eight runner Cox Plate then, potentially, and uh, very few internationals for the Melbourne Cup. And I know we've had COVID, I know it's been difficult, but we know all about the pre-race testing Uh, Are you a bit worried?
2: Yeah, I I think, personally, I think it's a great shame. Um, You know, the reason I came here um, was with an international horse and the uh, feel for it has um, certainly changed. Yes, it's COVID, uh, which hasn't helped. But, um, you know, the feel around the race uh, with the lack of internationals and not even a full field, I think it's a real shame.
0: Trainer David Eustace there. Lee is still with me. Well, I mean, it's already. I was going to say it was already a very short field, and we talked about the implications of enhanced veterinary checks earlier in the year. If you if you were a European thinking of going to the Melbourne Cup, and I, I realise there are are hardly any this time round, surely this this is going to deter you in 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 future, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it would. I mean, I think to an extent, you could also argue that you see the same thing happening in hong kong their vets are very much um they're very much on the case before races in terms of taking a forensic look at horses but this plays to that narrative of outside intervention um in the cox plate i think in australian racing i think the fact that damien oliver is seemingly saying i would be perfectly happy to ride this horse and yet you're saying i won't be allowed to ride him because you won't let him run i think that will uh Add, add further heat um, to the debate. Um, it's still the case, actually, Nick, that that even if um, Gold Trip comes out, of course, he would be representing Australian connections. We would have a European runner in this year's Cox Plate in the Joseph O'Brien train state of rest. But then as you go along the carnival, there aren't many more. It was a European-free Caulfield Cup. There are a, a tiny handful of participants in the Melbourne Cup. It's going to be a very strange spring carnival over there and it's a shame because these are these are wonderful races and in other respects i think you can make an argument to say that australian racing is on a bit of a roll at the moment incentivize won the Courtfield cup for peter moody on saturday and his performance was one of the very best Courtfield cup winning performances of the modern era as a guide nick he ran to a racing post rating of 126 which is the same as to Tasso ran to um when he won the arc it was two pounds greater than Sealaway's winning mark in the champion state so they've got a really good horse there who is going off at set to go off at crazy odds for the Melbourne cup um so Aussie racing, in other respects, is doing really well. They've had a lot of interest in Zaki, a former European. who will be going off as favourite for the Cox Plate on Saturday. You've got other good, really good horses in there, like Very Elegant, uh, and Anna Mow, the Caulfield Guineas winner. So in a lot of respects, Nick, Australian racing is doing really well. The Aussie horses are, are doing their country proud. The great sadness is that we're just not getting European representation. And this later story overnight, as you say will inevitably make Europeans think in the future about the, the relative risk and whether the gamble is one that's worth taking. I hope they do take it, Nick, as well, because European interest in these races is so, is so wonderfully valuable to them.
0: You've got Joseph O'Brien this time. It could be O'Brien's down under. O'Brien's in the UK as well as regards feature races this weekend, because Aidan O'Brien once again has the favourite for the Vertin Futurity, the big group one for two-year-olds at Doncaster in the shape of Luxembourg. And Luxembourg's most potent threat is likely to be Royal Patronage, the winner of the Acom Stakes at York, and then following up with that last gasp success over Coribus in the Royal Lodge Stakes. I've been talking to his assistant trainer, Charlie Johnston, to find out how he is.
3: He's doing very well. He's had an identical prep into this as he had into the Royal Lodge he did a little piece of work on on Saturday. Uh, Johnny P, our apprentice who uh, rides him all the time, sat on him, and uh, we were all very happy with that. So um, it's all systems go. Um,
0: has he been and is he as straightforward a horse as he looks to us on the racecourse?
3: Yeah, very much so. Um, he was. He was actually broken broken elsewhere in the early stages, and then came into us. And was, yeah, straightforward from the word go. We, he was always showing a bit more speed than we maybe expected. And as a result, we ran him over six first time out. Um, and he got caught out. And then we stepped up to seven at Sandown. And we're a little bit disappointed to get beat four lengths on that occasion, but um, turns out that was behind native trails. That doesn't look so bad now, does it? And then the horse has just continued to to improve leaps and bounds with every run since.
0: Yeah, you you said you were a, a little bit uh, surprised by the amount of speed he showed you at home. Do do you think that was just in fact his class? That he was just a he's just a very good horse.
3: Almost oh, certainly, um, and even actually after he won the aceam you know we were debating for quite a while about staying at 7 furlongs for the champagne uh, versus stepping up to to a mile for the royal lodge um because you know I still felt even at even at york he was showing plenty pace through the middle part of the race um and in actual fact you know the deciding factor in those two races was as much entries as anything else um the entries for the champagne had closed before he won his maiden at Epsom and he wasn't in it and the entries for the Royal Lodge had closed after that and he was in it. Um so when we had to stump up nine grand to supplement for the the champagne and it was looking really tough, we decided to go the to go the mile route to the Royal Lodge and in hindsight, thank God we did because um, you know, he showed he showed there that he really relished the mile and looks a horse that is gonna, you know, stay further next year.
0: Now he's he's won with a bit of cut in the ground. He hasn't won on ground as soft as it's gonna be at Doncaster. Is that any kind of a worry?
3: Um, it's always a concern when you're you know you're taking conditions that are that are new to you, and it was if it could to soft when he won at Epsom. I say you you know, on pedigree, um there's plenty of indication that he will handle the ground, but you never know for certain until you try.
0: Clearly you're up against a a, a much vaunted rival in, in Luxembourg. When you watched Luxembourg's winning the Beresford Stakes, did you think, oh, there's a horse I, I don't fancy taking on? Or did you think, yeah, happy to have a crack at him?
3: Well, this is uh, this is probably something I should admit, but um, I actually haven't watched Lu- Luxembourg's winning the Beresford Stakes. Um, I think that was on a day when Royal Patronage was winning at Newmarket, and I was saddling four or five runners at Ripon that afternoon. Um, and... We had runners did around four or five tracks as is the norm for a Saturday and um watching Aidan O'Brien's runners at Leopardstown was fairly a long way down my list of priorities. So, um yeah, as in often the case we um we focus on the facts in, in our control, which is our horse and um yeah look. Aidan's record in the race speaks for itself and you know, he's gonna have a have a huge number of horses to choose from in this kind of bracket. And the fact that he's chosen this one as his leading contender means that we have to give him a huge amount of respect. But um, you know, I don't think anyone can argue with the form that's in the book with our fellow.
0: So that's Royal Patronage. Or What of this heavy favourite, Luxembourg? Only two runs and he already seems to be polarising opinionally.
1: Yeah, well, my, my opinion, Nick, would be that I, I'm a big fan. Um, certainly, Shami Heffernan has said he's, that this is his favourite horse in Ballydor. Now, you might expect Shaney to say uh, wonderfully positive things um, about the horse, given he, he works for, for Aidan O'Brien, Ballydor and Coolmore. Um, but I thought in his most recent outing, there was an enormous amount to like. Um, Aidan O'Brien was at Newmarket that day. And funny enough, I, I, I spoke to him in that pre-parade ring at Newmarket after Luxembourg had posted his, his group Two success at the Curra, And at that point, Aiden hadn't seen the race. Um, so I was always asking him to comment on a race he hadn't seen, but he talked to me about what he expected the horse would have done. And I was able to say to him, yes, he, he did all that. So he won the race in the style that Aiden expected. I thought he was tremendously impressive. Um, I backed him for the Derby um, straight after that race. Um, But this is a different sort of test, and it's a test that he goes into um, with the Stables horses seemingly not in flying form. It was well talked about at Ascot on Saturday that Ballydoll's recent record hasn't been great, particularly with their runners in Britain. And I'm absolutely certain that bookmakers on Saturday will be out to get Luxembourg because they'll think that for all he has a – a huge reputation and for all that he was desperately impressive at the cover last time they'll see that the stables horses haven't been performing to their expected level and i think that has to be a concern
0: at Lead jump racing time cheltenham first meeting of the season smallish fields but the existing clerk of the course outgoing clerk of the course simon Clay, has sought to provide an explanation for that
1: yeah, and I think it's a, it's a fair explanation too, Nick. So this is the, the opening day of, of Cheltenham season. It's one that, as you say, will create enormous excitement among British racing fans. Any meeting at Cheltenham um, is special. And I think the, the season opening meeting will, will attract loads of loads of racegoers. I was looking on, on Hotels.com the other day. There are many other sort of hotel sites available. And finding rooms in Cheltenham wasn't looking that easy. People haven't been able to go to, to the to Cheltenham race course properly, really, since the 2020 festival. There were a few racegoers at the December meeting last year, but this is a chance for racegoers to return. They will be there in their thousands. The horses won't be quite so plentiful. Um, we produced stats in, in the post today that show there are 67 declarations for this opening day at Cheltenham. There were 71 last year, 74 in 2019, 88 in 2018 when the going was the same as it's set to be on friday good ground now simon makes a point that there is a clear difference between what we've got um tomorrow compared to last year uh, in the sense that last year itv4 were covering the opening day on friday that was because they'd lost so many meetings. During racing's lockdown, that they were on catch up, if you like, and to fulfill their contract, they were showing extra days of racing. Well, that's not the case this year. ITV aren't showing that Friday, which means that races that were moved to the Friday to create a more interesting TV menu aren't taking place. And this year's Friday card is more packed with races that you wouldn't expect necessarily. To create huge fields, there's a two mile five fur, two mile four furlong novice hurdle. There's a, a two mile novice chase. There's a three mile novice hurdle. There's two and a half mile novices handicap chase. So the first four races are for uh, novices. There's also a, a maiden hurdle at the end of the card. So it's not a it's not a handicap pack card. I was looking back, Nick, at the races that took place on uh, or the the same races that took place at the 2018 meeting as well, and there isn't actually a a huge difference. Um, marginally more runners in 2018 in these particular races than in 2021. But I don't think it's something that I would be unduly concerned about. You know, I think as well, the presence of Gordon Elliott trained horses in a number of those novice races was will probably have made some British trainers think, do I really want to be getting walloped by um, the Irish, the top Irish stables this early in the season? Paul Nichols and, and uh, Dan Skelton are among those who are, fighting the fight, but, it, but it's noticeable that a lot of those races do have very small fields.
0: And BDI is still on the prize money uh, situation with the arc tracks that we've been discussing the last couple of days on the podcast. Uh, it's a, an interesting one. I've found myself interviewing a number of people and sort of being in turn quite persuaded by both sides of the argument. Philip Davis MP has, has weighed in now. What do you make of his contribution, which hasn't massively surprised me?
1: No. I mean, Philip Davis is a man who is is predictably vociferous and passionate um, in, his, in his commentary on horse racing. He's a huge horse racing fan. He's vice chair of uh, Westminster All-Party Parliamentary Group for Racing and Bloodstock. Uh, and he has weighed into this debate, which has been playing out on a daily basis in the pod this week. Nick, it's been fascinating listening as you've spoken to to trainers who agree with the NTF, trainers who disagree with the NTF, owners who agree with the ROA, owners who disagree with the ROA. It's clearly one that's splitting people in, in racing. Philippe is very much of the opinion that uh, racing, and I suppose in particular the NTF and the PGA, were crazy in his view not to sign up to this to the ARC proposal. Um, just to remind people, in if ARC we're we're offering £3.7 million more Over that winter all-weather programme, there was also an expectation of £1.3 million more in levy returns. But in return, ARC wanted to stage nine race cards through the winter, so significantly more races. Philip Davis says that um, he describes it as regrettable, disappointing, and it's short-sighted in his reaction to the, the decision not to go ahead with the ARC proposal. And he also makes the point that he says it will be more difficult for racing in its efforts to get levy reform from the government because government will traditionally always say well are you helping yourself first and philip says this is an example of racing turning down the chance to help itself this could of course still go until today nick we read when the initial deal was turned down or that the final deal was turned down that thursday apparently was the absolute deadline day And the participants who you've spoken to, I think, have made clear that they are willing to keep talking until Thursday. Martin Curtis at the Arena Racing Company was more inclined to say that we've got a business to run. That's it for us now. But I'm sure if a deal could be done, he would still happily take it. I would just say in in this in terms of a little bit of personal commentary, um, Nick, I would echo what Lydia Hislop said on this at the start of the week when she made the point it is a far easier sell to say that you're being offered, in effect, £5 million. Why on earth wouldn't you take it? It's far easier to make that argument than to make the argument that the NTF and the PGA are making. Um, you say, Nick, that you, your views are sort of flipped around. You can see both points of view. I can too, but I'm very much in the point of view of, of backing the NTF and the PGA. It's been rare in recent years for me to say that I would wholeheartedly support Rafe Beckett, but I think on this one, Rafe is absolutely Right. Um, I think there are significant dangers to the sport of increasing the number of races that we stage, given the small fields that already are a blight on the sport in this country and, and must surely impact on, on punter and fan engagement. And although you, you, it is right to say that these are coming at the, the basement level, towards the basement level of the sport, whether maybe is the mo- more of a need for more races, It is, in effect, increasing the fixture list in all but name. And I think there is general consensus across the sport that what we don't need is an increase in the fixture list. I think it's a very difficult one, this, for the participants to try and and get that argument across. But I think those that are arguing that case have some strength behind them. But what I think is highlighted again is how effective um, a racing administrator is Martin Crudders. Um, he has been very successful in making his case here Um, he's very persuasive in making his case I don't agree with him on this one but I think the way he has tried to get what he wants is um predictably impressive
0: well thoroughbid the new online auction house has its second online auction about to go live its co-founder will kinsey joins me now will what can we look forward to this time
4: well nick i think it's another you know exciting catalog we've got um i think what our first sale proved was that um you know w- we can we can get market value for horses and i think it proved very successful especially with the with the broodmares with obviously having um the half sister to trushan selling nicely um and obviously trushan's come out and and uh, and served that pur- that, that purchaser well. so well, um, We've, we've actually been supported this time by a couple of new trainers as well. Charlie Fellows has got um, a couple of horses in there um, one of which is the Cody Kids. He was rated 86. He's a three-year-old. He's, he's been third, fourth and first in his last three starts around Chester. Uh, so he looks a nice prospect for somebody to have a lot of fun with and earn some decent prize money. Uh, and he's, he's also actually got a half-brother to camphor Cliffs called Toronto who's a four-year-old by Galileo and who's run over staying trips and he looks like a a nice prospect too to potentially be a dual purpose horse. So and Jamie Osborne has supported us again. He's got a nice horse in there called Drag Race. She's a three year old filly by Zophany. She won on her second start and is offered for sale. And then back to the brood mares, we've got got some interesting brood mares there. There's um a nice mare that Donald McCain used to train called Secret Escapes, who's by Getaway and she's uh, she's in fold to passing glance, who's had a, a really good few years and there's proven quite commercial, and then there's two two nice mares there. In Falter Walk in the Park who's probably the most commercial national hunt selling around at the moment. Uh, one of those mares called Jenny Surprise, and she's an elite mare. And the other mare is a mare called Cardigan Bay, who is uh, who's who's got black type. So you know there's there's some really interesting types there.
0: Uh, something for everybody: flat, jumps, brood mares, horses in training. And is that going to be very much the feel of your online sales as we as we move forward, or are you going to sort of separate them out into categories?
4: I think at the moment we're going to stay as we are. We want to maybe have, essentially, you know, we'd like to have two sales a month. You know, it, our product is very much about flexibility and offering people the opportunities to sell and trade horses more regularly. So that's what we want to do. Um, you know, it, 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 there is something for everybody at the moment, you know, flat jumps, broodmares. I say the, the broodmare market's proved really popular. Um, but I think, you know, we really want to try and improve you know the horses in training side of things and um you know i think that's a great area for for expanse obviously rome wasn't built in a day but we're getting great feedback and more and more people wanting to support it so um you know i think the future's bright
0: all right thanks to all my guests today uh, lee is still with me and has a tip for you
1: i do indeed nick i am going to carlisle in the four fifteen race the bed at racing com handicap chase it's part of the the go north um series and i like the chances of a horse called wait on it um having his first start for sandy thompson sandy's had an awful lot of success with horses taken from other people's stables this one already had pretty decent form for nigel twist and davis brian hughes takes the mount towards the bottom of the handicap and i'm saying wait on it in the 415 at carlisle
0: Lee, thank you. And and before you go, I'd I'd like to draw your attention to the Carl Kingscote Accident Fund. Carl is the brother of well-known jockey Richard Kingscote, whose wife Ashley has um, organised this fundraiser. She says Carl has worked in racing for many years now and works for Denford Stud. He's just 33 and a lover of the outdoors, especially spending his weekends mountain biking. Tragically, just this last weekend, on the 17th of October, Carl had a fall from his bike, resulting in life-changing injuries. He dislocated his spine that resulted in spinal cord damage, broke a bone in his neck, broke his sternum with some broken ribs. With the damage to his spinal cord, he's been told he won't be able to walk again. Any money raised will go towards Carl and his rehabilitation and housing, as he currently lives where he works. Uh, at denford stud thank you all for reading um i just wanted to pass that on and so far amazingly in just a few hours the fund has raised seven thousand seven hundred and thirty pounds but the goal is is fifty thousand it's a, a gofundme page you can find it on on ashley's twitter feed uh, for carl coat. so um carl we are all wishing you all the very best uh, thank you very much for listening today we will see you all again tomorrow bye-bye